Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. So <clears throat> hopefully this week we have James and Calvin joining me. Um, it's been a pretty busy old US Open. I This is the first time I've really been up and active around this time. Oh. <laughs> Hello. I was, oh. I was just starting off a little monologue about how... Uh, it's nice to not have to go to bed at 4 a.m. anymore. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't do that. I think I did it once. <laughs> Maybe on the men's semis, I think. It's been a pretty grim week for me. Um, now, can we hear James this week? That's a big question. No. No. That's so funny. I don't, I don't know what the problem is with him at the minute. Um, okay. Well, hopefully he he does get on this week. He said he tried it himself um, and had got it to work on his own. Um, so I don't really understand why why it's failing. Um, Is it the um? Has he got? His, I mean, it might sound ridiculous, but has he got the mute thing off? Because I know that I tapped it um, last week briefly. It doesn't look. I think you can normally see when others have it on there. Um, no, there's a. Mu- yeah, I can, right, okay. I can see it. Um, yeah, he's saying we he can't hear us, and we he can't he can't hear us, and we can't hear him again. Okay, mm. very strange. Very strange. I don't really understand what the problem is. He's had no problems the first time, and um, says all the settings are exactly the same. So I don't really. I don't really get what his problem is. Can he set a room up? Does that make any difference? I don't know. Not sure. Um, okay. Might might be me and you again then, Calvin. He's <laughs> getting stung on this, isn't he, every week? <laughs> it's like we're silencing his uh, powerful views. <laughs> I know. And James, 
had, had told me he had some really big things he wanted to talk about today. He was wound up by a little stuff, so it's a shame we don't get him to sound off of it. But, uh, okay, well, let's see uh, if he does turn up eventually, but let's, let's press on without him. Um, so I guess an obvious starting point is Dominic Team. Got over yeah. the line eventually. What were your thoughts on that match? It was pretty cagey, wasn't it? I mean, it was just, it was the strangest slam final I think I've ever watched. Um, I mean, first of all, I was thinking that I, I'll give a bit of credit to both of them because they were sort of indifferent. You know, first of all, Zverev, who has this, this huge issue with his game that he, when he throws a ball up for the second serve, it looks like he basically has no idea where it's going to go. Um, and yet, it doesn't. When you watch him, it doesn't actually seem to get him down, does it? He seems to sort of, you know, be sort of accepting of it. He never goes mad. He never, when he does the double fault, he never, um, he never does sort of. He never gets his body language terribly down. It's almost like he's just accepted now that it is what it is, and he keeps on plugging away. And he keeps. It's just been in a slam final, and the guy can't hit a second serve. I have to say, Calvin, I find this incredibly relatable with Zverev. I mean, I've <laughs> I've got a very big serve. Well, not very big, you know, for club yes. levels. You know. I've heard I, so, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I used to have some real mental collapses on serve. Like, um, I don't know, like just getting in my own head. You know, when you you kind of stop your elbow on the motion sometimes yeah. in serve, like just that kind of tightness comes in. Yeah. And the way I've kind of resolved it, and I, I say resolved in the loosest possible terms of the uh, word, but I, but I now just really make sure I'm hitting that second serve quite big every time. And I've found that the trade-off is, okay, I'll hit a few more double faults, but I'm getting a lot of unreturned second serves or second serve aces. And that, yeah. I've kind of just decided, you know what, it, it's actually winning me more than it's losing it. Um, and I, I don't know, a lot of people kind of say they want Zverev to kind of just whack two first serves. Do you think that's a, a reasonable strategy for him? I mean, he's, he's had some success in doing that, hasn't he? And I think that, you know, if you just look at it purely from a sort of mathematical point of view, he makes sort of more than two-thirds of his first serves anyway. So you'd think if he if he misses one, the likelihood is he's going to make the second one. But um, I think when it comes down to the crux of it, the mental side of it comes in and, you know, how much how much sort of feasibility there is in that is another issue. But... Like I say, as much as it, it, it's comical how bad it is, it, you have to give him some sort of credit for his resilience in that he, he, he sort of is almost sort of, you know, just accepted it and right, I'm going to go and try and win slams anyway. Um, the problem is with that level of player um, is that I don't see really where it's going to get a great deal of improvement at this stage. Has anyone really ever improved the second serve that much? at that level because they're playing every week. So, you know, it might get a little bit better, I assume, and he might be able to stop doing double faults. But, um, he, he, you know, he's just hired David Ferrer, hasn't he, to be his coach. Now, you know, I'm sure Ferrer can add some sort of tactical parts to his game and maybe improve his tennis IQ, but not really renowned for being a sort of technical expert on issues of sorting out second serves, is he? And I, I just, I think this is just such an interesting question with Zverev. I mean, they've had all this time off together. You'd think they technically have got to the point, you know, they know this has been an issue for so long. I, I just find it amazing that 
they've not solved this in lockdown. And I guess this goes back to the question, how how can he get over this mental hump if it's not a technical issue? I asked him about this last year's US Open, actually. I, said I mean, him, it is a technical issue. Is there a technical issue? issue? Well. And he it's said there's te- no technical issue. It's all I mental. Mean, and I just, not, don't, I just don't believe that's the case. He clearly can't be that comfortable technically if he's mentally that fragile with it. You, there's got to be an element of confidence in the shot, right? This is this is Vera's problem, though, to be fair, in that I know through through friends of mine and people I spoke to that he's very dismissive of coaches. He doesn't think that any coach who's not a former player can have any even have an opinion on his game. So um, he sort of brushes them away, but it's ludicrous to say there's not a technical issue. It's not like there's a standout one that you would say, oh, if he sorts that, then it'll be fine. But there's a skill issue where he doesn't have the skill to do what's required in order to get that serve better. And he's not working on those skills. That, 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 what I mean by that is there's little tiny things that he needs to work on in that serve to, that would make, end up making a big difference. But I think it's, it is a mental issue in that he, he's, there's, a, there's a level of arrogance that he's just dismissive of anybody who might suggest that they can help him. That's interesting. And obviously his partnership with like Lendl didn't last very long. I think. Yeah, three, but I mean, that's, this is the thing. I mean, his coaches have been kind of his dad his brother um Lendl and Ferrer and you know I don't know which of one of those you would say has two of them have well three of them have obviously had very good serves but do they know how to build a serve and do they know how to correct a serve well it'll be interesting to see but I guess we should credit his application in this tournament if nothing yeah. else I mean it was pretty grim to watch him a lot oh, yeah, of the time, was, yeah, was, but was, he did well was, to get through a lot of tough matches. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, you know, it, it was. I, I tweeted last night, and I don't know, sort of off the top of my head, has, has anyone ever come into a Grand Slam final having less confidence in their own tennis game? And I, I can't, you know, you, you would think normally just by winning the six matches it would take to get there that you'd be feeling pretty good about your game, but I can't see how he could have been. I mean, there's a genuine case he would have been the first Grand Slam winner, or, sorry, or the worst kind of form anyone's ever won oh, a Grand 100%, Slam. 100%, yeah. 100%. It's, you know, you'd even get some sort of situations where a player isn't playing that great and then semis and final, they'll just produce something. Like, remember when Gaudio won, he, he wasn't sort of a standout player in that tournament and nobody expected him to beat Correa, but he, he then played well in the final. Correa played terrible, but um, Gaudio ended up playing a great match in the final. Um, but this would be even if if Zverev would have won yesterday, even the two sets that he when he was two sets to love up, he wasn't. He was playing all right, wasn't he? He hit some streaky winners, but you wouldn't say it was lights out tennis he was playing. It was more down to team being pretty bad at the start of the match. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the best I'd seen Zverev play all tournament, but that's really not saying much to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, he mixed in had a, you know he mixed in some very 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 good shots. With, but there was still in the first two sets, there was sort of, you know, 12 or 15 shots of absolute rubbish in there. <laughs> um, um, and I don't think, you know, I said again last night, I don't think I've ever watched the slam final where there were as many bad shots as there were in that match last night. If you were to sort of go back through the match, I have no real desire to, <laughs> and just sort of tag all the shots that were almost halfway down the net or that missed the court by more than a meter i reckon there'd be more of those shots than in any other grand slam final ever <laughs> even, well, even prob- when Zverev surf for the match 
the first forehand he missed. He must have missed it by 12 foot. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I found it a very compelling watch, though. I mean, it oh, was terrible, but I, was, I couldn't was... stop watching it. I mean, it was, no. it was quite gripping. Yeah, the drama at the end was fantastic. And that was that was the thing, though, that even the, the sort of I had a couple of people texting me saying, you know, it's got better now. But if you watched it when, so let, let's sort of relive it. So Zverev broke team to serve for the match, didn't he? Yeah, so 5-3 Zverev was up. Yeah, and then team broke back to go 5-4 five, five, yeah. and then held. And, and and that hold, I think, was probably the most important moment of the match. At 30 all, yeah. the team comes up with two massive winners out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, that was the highest quality moments of the match, really. But the game that so the game when Zverev broke to serve for the match, that was four errors from team. <laughs> and then the game when team broke back was four errors from Zverev. And then there was a decent game at 5-4, like you say, team played two good points. And then team broke Zverev with four errors. And then Zverev broke team back with, I think there might have been one winner in it, but it was a game of errors again. And it wasn't like, but in the middle of that, there were a couple of winners from the players who lost the game, which kind of made it seem like the standard was better, but it wasn't. And I guess we've touched on Zverev's mentality. Do you give team a lot of credit? I mean, he, yeah. he was super nervous, he said, and played. He was terrible, wasn't he? First, Yeah, I'll give them both credit. You know, in terms of resilience, I think they both deserve some credit because they. it's easy to just sort of sack it off at that circumstance. You know, imagine Kyrgios. If, if Kyrgios would have been there and played as badly as team did in the first two sets, that match would have been over. Um, and... I think they both deserve credit for, despite how bad they were playing, and those juniors can learn a hell of a lot from that, no matter how bad you're playing, if you dig in, you don't know what will happen. And how, how do you think that win now affects team? Do you think he'll ever play like that again in a Grand Slam final, assuming he makes a few more? Well, it's, it's strange, isn't it? The Grand Slam final where he's played by far the worst is the one of the four that he's won. Because he played pretty well in the... Well, he played fantastic against Djokovic in um, Australia earlier in the year. And he's played pretty well against Nadal in the other two that he's played. So it, it's um, it, it's strange that on this one, he's, he's played pretty gunk. And he's, he's the one he's ended up winning. Um, how, many, how many more do you see him winning? Um, it's tough to say. I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up with another two or three. Um, because you'd think that these these three are not going to go forever. Um, and I think there'll probably be a situation where there's a bit of a gap before the next sort of dominant force who who I expect to be someone like Felix um, comes through and is ready to win multiple slams. So, And he now seems to be able to play on... He's now a hardcore player as well. Um, so he's got, he's got those two as well. And on top of the clay, he's probably fair to say he's probably the second best clay court player in the world at the minute as well. Is there any chance of him? I think I think the obvious one he's going to struggle to win is Wimbledon, but he's got a good chance of winning every major now, doesn't he? Yeah, and even Wimbledon, like I said last week, Wimbledon. I, don't, I think don't think people have fully grasped this that Wimbledon is the grass at Wimbledon now makes it pretty much a hard court tournament, especially if the weather's decent. If if you're getting good weather there and, and the court hardens up even more. That's a that's a sort of medium to that's a medium pace hardcore, and and I think that you know that's been evidenced in Federer the last few years who struggled there because it's not as fast as it was. 
But so Steve, I mean, his, his movement yeah, doesn't seem quite no, as good that, on the grass, and where, he does seem to kind of just sack it off after the yeah, French Open. That's where I was going to go, go to next. Is, is one problem at Wimbledon will be the movement because team is is it teams in my opinion is the best mover that's ever been on a tennis court. It just in the, just when you combine his speed, his efficiency, the power he's got, and and the way that he glides around the court, I think he's probably a, the best mover that we've ever seen. Um, but he struggles to move on the hard on the on the grass court. That's where he the one thing that I think may make him struggle at Wimbledon. The the other question, kind of on that point, is it, it's always kind of felt to me like he exerts so much effort into the French Open that he then can't get himself up for Wimbledon. He kind of just disregards it. I was just wondering whether you think it's possible we'll get a scenario with that and the French Open this time. He's going to be on such a high. He's put so much in to win this tournament. Is there any chance now he's going to have a complete dip in the clay and potentially be a, a casualty early on? Um, so how many weeks are there? I thought there was two weeks, but is there three weeks till the French? It's two, two weeks. So it starts two weeks. Yes, two weeks today. Right. Um, right. OK. Um, I would think he'll, he'll probably have. He's not. Is he not? He's not playing this week, is he? He's not. No. Right. And I don't know. I think he'll be all right for the French. I can't see him. Uh, I can't see that being an issue um, unless his injuries and he, he, he was struggling at the end, wasn't he, with injuries. Yep. So I think that might be more of an issue than the sort of getting over to France and then performing again. Two weeks will be will be fine, I would think. And a week either practising on the clay or, or, or a week of tournaments on the clay next week, I would think he, he's good enough that that shouldn't be an issue for him. OK. Well, we, we shall see. Yeah. Let's Let's move on to the... The ladies' final, which was also a pretty dramatic affair, um, Osaka yeah. blown off the court really for the first set. Azarenka looking very, very hot, setting a break up. Suddenly, Osaka comes out to play, and again, kind of had this quite a nervy finish again. Osaka failing to yeah. serve it out. There's a lot going on there. What, what were your thoughts on Osaka as a whole during this tournament? Did pretty well. We both picked her, didn't we? Yeah, I think I, I, we both fancied it from the start. I, I thought there was a big change in Osaka, to be fair. Um, sort of gone was the sort of innocent, sort of childish, giggling, sort of fun character that we've seen before. Uh, and she just seemed a whole lot more serious this tournament. Um, and sort of, you know, I, I didn't see many of her post-match interviews, but um, I don't know whether they were the same. But she just seems to... I don't know whether it's the sort of political issue that she was sort of quite embroiled in whether that made her more serious but she just looked like a more sort of relentless ruthless character than than what we've seen her before she, she's grown up a lot in this period i think yeah and I, she spoke about that quite a lot after and i think it, I, I think it sort of resonated in the match as well that she wasn't sort of there was she can sometimes sort of get very down on herself in her body language i didn't see a whole lot of that she wasn't in fairness she wasn't behind a whole lot in matches but um I thought there was a definite change in in her persona. I think she kind of said this after the final, where she was saying, "You know, I I had a, a really deep kind of period of introspection. You know, I won the US Open, I became this major superstar. You know, she's the highest paid female athlete on the planet, and yeah. it all just came so quickly for her. And she's now just been thinking, how do I want to be remembered? What am I going? What do I want to achieve? And I think that yeah. that period off for her." probably going to be the most beneficial of any player out there because she's so talented she's got everything about it so i think dominate the women's game completely oh, I can, yeah i can see her winning yeah i think she's 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 got definitely going to be winning another four or five at least 
I would say. I was asked the question uh, after she won her, actually, was it her second one? I, I can't remember if it was her first or second. I think it was possibly after Australia. I was asked the question on a radio show, how many I thought she was going to win. And I said at that stage, 10. And I thought, you know, that's, I know that's a lot of slams. Yeah. But, but, I, but I, I'm not sure I'm shifting from that position now, if she's really going to carry on like this. I mean, she's a, maybe not going to win many at the French or Wimbledon, although hopefully she adapts her game. But she's going to be a contender at these hardcore slams for years to come, isn't she? Yeah, I think she, she's clearly the best hardcore player in the world now. Um, on the women's side of things, I don't. She's she's sort of you know even even when she's been out of form throughout the years, she she sort of still turns up at the Aussie and the US and brings serious game normally, doesn't she? So I I, I think that she'll yeah I can see her definitely winning a few more and there's until golf sort of takes the next step and sort of the likes of Anisimova and um, the Polish girl um, Spiatek yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got Andreescu there as well. I mean, she struggles to say yeah, she's a brilliant well. hardcore player. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Yeah, I mean, she struggled with, seems to struggle with, with injuries, doesn't she? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Osaka is sort of going to clean up until that bunch sort of come to the party, I guess, more than they currently are. Um, and even when they do, I think she it's not like they're going to overtake her. She, she's, she's equally as, she might be better than any of them as well. There's some potential for some brilliant rivalries in that group, aren't there? I mean, it, it, it does seem like quite a strong bunch coming through. Um, yeah, there's a few stars, isn't there? I think that's the thing. And I think that's where women's tennis has, has probably struggled in the last um, last few years, where the men's hasn't. The men's just had stars. There's there's always been good female players, but there's no one sort of who can transcend the sport. And I think now with Osaka, Goff, um, Anisimova and, and, and Andrescu, I think that you've probably got that now. Just a quick word on Azarenka. I mean, if you'd have said she was going to win the US Open a month ago when she was thumped by Venus Williams, could barely get a return in court, yeah, been laughed out the room. But I think I picked her again, not to blow my own trumpet on these predictions, but I, I did say <laughs> she was the dark horse yeah, to did. kind of win this title, and she came pretty, pretty close. Um, yeah, I mean, she was she was pretty much. I mean, I thought sort of at the Aussie Open, it looked like she'd almost settled for being a doubles player now. And or was it the Aussie or the or the US last year where she was? I think she made final of the doubles, didn't she, with somebody mm-hmm. or won one? And I, it almost looked like that's what she'd kind of settled for. But but no, she's she's right back in the mix now, isn't she? Do you see her winning another one? I mean, obviously she's come close here, and again, someone else who's very very good on hard courts. I mean, she... I, I don't think I'd pick her for any any of them, but you can definitely see a winning one it, it's sort of it's so up and down i guess in the women's it, you, you know it's sort of when it's kind of like get to the sort of quarters and then then see what happens um isn't it well that's what it tends to be in the women's game for the last few years so yeah it wouldn't surprise me one bit if she ends up winning another i think you spoke a bit about youngsters learning from players but i thought azarenka taught a really interesting lesson that a lot of young players could hear and she was talking about when she'd reached world number one she had such a kind of glorified ego you know boosted yeah. ego where she thought she was the best not just player but best person on the planet and she's yeah. kind of been brought back down to earth in many ways perhaps you know motherhood also helping in this kind of emotional maturity but it was quite refreshing i think to hear someone talk about themselves like that understand and i wonder if someone like alexander zverev will potentially look back at his career like this in the younger stages where 
you know, it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to kind of take a bit more advice on board. It's okay to not be perfect, to, you know, not have this huge ego. Do you think players like Zverev could learn a bit of a lesson from that sort of tale from Azarenka? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could. I'd suspect that Zverev won't. Um, <laughs> he's very dismissive of, and, and always has been, very dismissive of anybody who... I, mean, I, I know a guy who, who was a coach of mine who, who sort of was introduced to him a couple of years ago. Um, and he sort of was introduced to him of this is so-and-so. Um, he's coached this player and this player and this player who, who all made the top 100. And Zverev's response was, is that supposed to impress me? What do I care about somebody being 90 in the world? <laughs> so... Um, that and, and I've heard sort of numerous stories along those lines, which makes me think that, well, makes me understand that he's very dismissive of somebody who he doesn't think has played at the same level as him. That's interesting. Um, so, yeah, he, look, people grow up. He, he's a kid still. And um, you never know, sort of two or three years down the line. Um, he's a hell of a tennis player. And um, maybe he sort of makes a decision to to sort of let more people in. I don't know that. I, I wouldn't say there's any sort of signs of that happening just yet, though. If you were putting a number on slams, he's going to win. What, what is it? Uh, I, I think he's only going to win one if, if the draw opens up like it has now, or if he gets his second serve sorted. Um, and I've not seen anyone his second serve when you look at it this way in terms of where a par level for his second serve it's nowhere near it is it so even if there's a sort of 10% improvement which you would say normally on anyone's serve at that level 10% improvement is a huge improvement with his serve a 10% improvement I'm not even sure would would bring it to, to a decent standard so unless he sorts that out or unless the draw really opens up for him I'm not sure he's going to win one anytime soon. Um, but again, you never know with these situations. He was he was pretty close to winning one last night. Yeah, I, I'd still have him down for a couple, personally. I yeah, think. that's what I think. No, I don't disagree because I think at some stage, draws will open up. How many do I see him winning where he has to beat Federer sort of, I guess, on the way out now, but where he's got to beat Djokovic, Nadal, team... Murray, if if Murray's back, um, Del Potro, if Del Potro's back, um, Rinka, Felix, if he makes the improvements that we're talking about, if he has to get through two or three of those, I don't see it. Good news for him is he'll probably have ten years without a lot of those. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you know the ne- the next lot may come. Um, but yeah, he's a phenomenal talent. Back to the women's. There's obviously one storyline we really need to sink our teeth into Serena down in the semi-finals again Azarenka astonishing comeback I mean the, I have to say the women's semi-finals this year I think are the highest quality yeah. two semi-finals I've ever seen in the women's yeah. game I thought they were both fantastic I you know I, I got to bed at about 6am that night and I was still buzzing and kind of disappointed there wasn't more to come because it was yeah, just yeah. so phenomenally high level um She's not winning another one, is she? Is that is that a fair thing to say? What, what? Um, yeah, again, I, th- I think the draw would would have the, somebody would have to hand it to her. Um, I've thought that for a while, though. I've thought that since 
I guess since last year's US or maybe before that, that there always seems to be a match where where she she can't cope with it mentally anymore, and the other girl just plays pretty well, and the, those two things combined seem to always knock her out. Um, there I don't just think seems win to be enough players, in my opinion. I, I think there's a, about ten players. I think go into matches with her as favourites now, really, and that's a, yeah, I mean, quite I, I a high thought, number for yeah someone who's going to reach a Grand Slam semi and final. And, and and this tournament, you have to say, a lot of those ten weren't there. You know, Andreescu and Hallett, the two of them, are definitely yeah. put pretty high up. Um, it's just tough to see that draw. And, and uh, her problem compared to Zverev, of course, is time's running out, isn't it? I mean, she's not going to be winning one at 42. We're, t- we're talking about in the next year, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I was certain that um, Azarenka would beat her. I was talking to a mate of mine on the day and, and he, he sort of said, you know, Serena winning. And I said, no, Azarenka's winning that much. Because <laughs> she just she was playing well enough and she thinks she can beat Serena. Um, she's not... <laughs> so Serena's sort of... The the two things that she has in her locker now that are X factors is her serve and the fact that she still worries a lot of players um, that that they don't know whether they can get over the line against her. But there's certain players who that doesn't bother. And Azarenka's one of them. Osaka's one of them. The players that you've just listed are, are, are of that ilk as well. It's very funny. I can't remember who was saying this to me. and It was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but but someone was comparing her to John Isner now and just saying that she she's winning a lot of matches just based on this big serve and a lot of the rest yeah. of her games not up to scratch. Is that a bit harsh? Um, yeah, she yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a bit harsh. She, she's definitely got the groundies. When they're there to hit, she, she, she doesn't move anywhere near as well as she used to, which is understandable. Um, she, you know, she, she, was, she was always pretty much the complete player. Her touch was always underrated as well, which she still got. I still see it, some lovely drop shots. But it was the huge serve combined with being able to to blaze winners off both wings and nobody could get the ball past her. Um, whereas now, she, she doesn't move anywhere near as well. Well, regardless of her winning it, I mean, it's been a pretty... If she wins another one or not, you can't, certainly can't fault her ridiculously good career. And it, oh, it's great to still not. see her out there. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's like we discussed the other week. I'm not too fussed about that that Margaret Court record. At least all Serena slams are legit slams. Courts are not. It's just a number. I don't really care for it. I think I I would kind of... I'd still have... I'd still have... I still think Graf was better than her, but then I'd have her below Graf. And then uh, I guess another another former, well, current world number one, Novak. We 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 went through the incident last week, but I, I just thought it was worth reflecting a week on. Is there going to be any knock on for him from this? Is this going to affect him mentally going into Rome and the French Open? This kind no, of not set- not whatsoever. <laughs> He'll, um, although he's been quite sort of. Um... He's been he's he's taken it on board. I've seen a few quotes today. I've no doubt that he'll start convincing himself that he was wrongly done by, um, <laughs> and use it as some sort of revenge come next week. And his 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 fans will jump on board with that. Um, <laughs> it's, well, it's, um, his coach has Ivanovic's quotes were quite interesting. I don't know what did he you... say? I've not seen that. <laughs> I mean, he basically said it was definitely not a default, and the rules are stupid right. and. Uh, 
yeah, he said the same sort of thing about the kind of motivation to come back, I guess. Um, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see. But Yeah, I, I can't see that being any. Um, I still think he'll... He's 50-50 to win the French, I'd say. Um, I, I think that he might even beat Nadal on a clay court. Um, just because I think he's just got Nadal's number. Um, whether he can beat team on a clay court is a different matter. Um, and whether team can beat Nadal on a clay court is a different matter. But um, <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, if he doesn't win the French, I don't think he'll have anything to do with this. I, I talk about this every year, but I would love this year for team to be in Rafa's half of the draw and him have to come through team and Djokovic because it does kind of feel like team and Djokovic knock everything out of themselves in that bloody semi-final. Yeah, this is the sort of interesting thing with Nadal's run of, of French Opens that, that I always think differs from, from back in the sort of late 90s, that there was there's no real clay court specialists anymore. And, and it used to be a case that when you used to win the French, you had to go through, you had to sort of get through Felix Mantilla and then you'd go, that'd be a nightmare and you'd be dead after that. And then you'd have to go and play Beresategui and then you'd have to go against Albert Costa, and then you'd have to go against Karecha. And there were all these guys who were kind of sort of ranked 40 to 10 in the world, who you'd have to sort of go through one after the other after another. And even if you beat them, they'd almost take it out of you. Whereas Nadal and then when Djokovic has won won his, it's kind of like now there are more complete players on the tour, but there's not that sort of clay court specialist is there even the spanish guys two of the spanish guys carreno buster and batista are good their their best surface is hard courts that's interesting do you think he do you think nadal benefits from practicing on clay the whole time or is he going to miss match practice in new york um well i mean i don't think he'll miss match practice whatsoever he's famous for that every other player when they're injured for three months at a time they take some time to come back nadal comes back winning slams so um, even when, when he's injured, he doesn't require match practice. So I don't think that'll make any difference at all. He'll, um, he he'll he did a little bit last year just to play devil's advocate. I mean, it t- took him Barcelona and Monte Carlo. He was pretty, pretty poor yeah. by his standards. And there was a lot of mental doubt creeping in. I mean, if if he got into that situation in Rome, per se, you know, had a, a bad tournament there, do you think that that's something that could potentially uh, knock into the French or are you pretty confident? No, because he does that he, like you say, he's done that a few times He's he's been kind of less dominant on the clay overall for the last couple of years hasn't he? But he just comes and wins the French um, Teams sort of had, teams had his I wouldn't say had his number, teams been sort of beating him a few times for the last couple of years, he's always beaten him kind of at like one of the other events hasn't he? Um, going into the French and can't get it done on the, at the French who else can get it done on the French? <laughs> Is it literally Djokovic team, Novak, for you? Um, uh, Warinka. Um, he's won it before. I wouldn't say he's favourite, and I'd put him behind, behind the others. But if you are to tell me that none of those who you've just listed were going to win it, I would think it, it's probably going to be Warinka. It's, it's not a long list, though, is it? No. Um no, it, it it's not. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's draw or open up for Zverev again, and he'll be in the semis. Um, and putting putting Nadal aside, I'm going to ask you the same question again about players who've. Uh, I spoke to um, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova this week, for example. We had a a long chat 
um, which if you haven't read, please please do read. It was quite an interesting interview, I thought. She spoke very openly. But we, we were kind of talking about the trade-off between not playing, not getting match practices, not match practice in New York compared to training on clay and having this extra time. With the turnaround being as close as it is, how do you see that being favourable for someone like Halep, I guess, maybe on the women's side or... You know, even a Pavlyuchenkova, is it better? Would she have been better served getting match practice or is it better to have had that time on clay? To I think it ready? depends on the player. I think it just entirely depends on the player. I, I personally, <laughs> have, I'd have preferred match practice, but um, not that I was ever a player of any note. Um, <laughs> of this note, anyway. But, um, but I always like match practice for the players I, I work with um, over practice on the surface, although you do need that as well. But um, but some players will, will will be more comfortable just getting time on the clay court. And clay is the one surface that it, it will help more than the others getting time on it. Um, so so yeah, I think that just entirely depends on on each individual player. Is it a hard transition, hard to clay this quickly? Two weeks uh, again. It's the movement. Team? Again, it's the movement. I watched a bit of Rome this afternoon, and, and the players who've played in the U.S. Open who I saw that they, they kind of just look a bit tentative with the sliding and that kind of thing. Uh, players who I know are excellent movers around a tennis court and, and who will be moving a lot better sort of a week, two weeks from now, that they, they just sort of looked a bit um, trepidatious in their movement. Uh, so I think it's that. It's um, it's nothing else, really. It's just the movement on it. And is, is there any hope for any of our British lot? I know we had come to have a decent run last year, but that... that... Almost felt like a bit of a freak. But, um, um, Edmund's pretty good on the clay, isn't he? He's got a win against Nadal, hasn't he? Yeah, um, and Djokovic. And Djokovic, yeah, on the clay. So, um, you know, I think he, he's probably he's probably the one who I'd say. Dan Evans is, you know, he's, he's an all-round player. He's, he'll always be, um, if he get, you know, if he gets a decent draw, he, there's, there's certain players who you'd always favour him to beat, no matter what the surface. Um, but I think, you know, you'd take... Um, you'd take a fourth round now, I think, for any of the any of the Brits. Um, and it, Except for Murray, Murray will Murray won't. He'll he'll be expecting to win it. I'm sure. <laughs> and, and for Rome this week, do you see any significance in this tournament? Really, for for the bearing of the French, is it more important for say Rafa to win it than Novak mentally, or um, assuming they're the main guys who are expecting to reach the final? I think that is, is Novak still in it because there was talk that he was going to pull out. Is he still in it as we speak? I mean, he did his press in in Rome today. So right. Okay. Be quite uh, odd if he's not. Uh, that must have just been rumours that I'd heard. Um, yeah, it, it's more important because I think that um, Novak definitely thinks he's got Nadal's number, no doubt about it. Um, Nadal has obviously got doubts about Djokovic, so. I think if if he could rack up one or two wins against him on the clay before they go to Paris, I think he then suddenly becomes the big favourite. Um, as it is now, I, I've actually got Djokovic favourite over Nadal for the French. That's interesting. That's uh, yeah, I, I purely mean, because he's not he, he's he's lost to Djokovic. Djokovic has definitely got his number on every other surface, and. He's not beaten prime Djokovic at a French for a while, has he? No. 
as I say, I think I think where team lands in that draw is always the thing I'm looking yeah. at for. Yeah. I think that's that is the the factor. If Djokovic can avoid having to come through team and Nadal, I think that that'll be his best chance for years. But it, it but does then, team seems kind of magnetically drawn to Djokovic's half at the minute. So, but then again, would um, uh, you won't want to see Stan in his uh, in his in his quarter either? I no, think. Um, heading into uh, heading into the French. No, absolutely not. Women, are we? Who are we saying for the French there? Uh, Halleck. Yeah, of the again, the players we've not seen yet, we've still got to see what they bring. So all things, all things being equal, I, I think Halep's my favourite for it. But again, we haven't seen a player match for for some time, have we? So um, we don't know what she'll come out with. And I guess the the final two players I thought were maybe worthy of a bit of a mention today. One was Jennifer Brady. I thought she really yeah, she's excellent. Yeah, just to really. spend some time on her game. I mean, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, I hadn't really watched a lot of her before this year. I'd, I knew of her, but I, I'd never really thought of her as someone who'd be a someone who now I consider could, if she kept that form up, be like a top five player. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought she was excellent. Um, I think she came unstuck in the end because um, it's always I always come back to this situation. I talk about a lot where it, it's kind of. I remember a few, a good few years ago, Agassi went into the U.S. Open and he won pretty much all the events beforehand, and then he cruised through to the final and then lost to Sampras. And it was basically sort of one of the commentators said that he basically forgot how to play when he was losing because um, he was winning everything so easy. And I think that's what kind of made Brady come and stuck that she cruised to the the semis so comfortably was it the semis or the quarter yeah, semis, yeah, yeah. Semis, yeah she cruised to the semis so so comfortably i don't think anyone got five games in a set against her did they they didn't they didn't yeah and i think then when it was almost like i think she'd have actually been better suited if she had have been in a closer match in that situation um and i think that you know i thought i thought she was excellent uh, and not to big up my own predictions too much but i did i did make that point when she was coming in against Osaka, that this was probably <laughs> going to be the first match where she, if she found herself behind as she did, would she be able to come back? And and to be fair to her, she you did, have to say yeah. she did come yeah. back and she did make a real yeah. fist of it when it could have got away from her. But you're right, you know, th- there is such a difference in my mind anyway of yeah. playing people where it gets tight, when it gets nervous compared to steamrolling everyone in straight sets. And of course, if you can beat everyone in straight sets, you're going to win the tournament. But when you get in yeah. that moment, it's a different match. It's a different it, mentality, isn't it? Yeah, it's the situations that you find yourself in where it's kind of like 5-all, 30-all. You haven't played that point for for some time. So that's a whole lot different where, you, where when you find yourself sort of 5-4-up, 5-4-30-all um, on your own serve, you've been in that situation five or six times and it's kind of routine. You can just go to the, go to the tool shed and get what needs to be get what you need out of it. Whereas, you know, sort of five, six, love 15, you're thinking, right, what's my play here? Courtney's just asked uh, a question I was going to come on to, actually. But she said, do you think she'll be as good on clay? I mean, it, looking at her record at the French Open is kind of pointless because her record at all slams is pretty similar before this one where it's like second round a couple of times. Um, do you see her as a good clay court player? Is movement presumably going to be the thing that, um, 
I don't think she'll be as dominant, but it wouldn't surprise me if she's still very, very good on the clay. Um, again, the weather will play a part, um, how dry the clay is, that kind of thing. Um, if, it, if it's drier, it's harder to move on. Um, she'd probably be hoping for a little bit of rain every now and then, although they, they will water the courts, obviously. But um, I don't think she'll be as good on the clay, but it wouldn't surprise me if if she gets used. Again, I think it's the movement thing. Once she gets used to it, if she gets into the second week, then it could start getting pretty interesting again. She's got such a huge forehand, doesn't she, that does yeah. strike me as, you know, if, I think the best clay court players, a lot of them do really have that big power forehand. Like I'm thinking an Edmund from a British perspective, yeah. you know, that sort of big weapon. Her, her forehand does strike me as potentially being able to transition into that game quite well. Yeah, and also, you know, I think we sort of put a bit too much on the court surface a lot of the time that, you know, most winners are winners on any court. So, if, if at, that, at that level, you know, it's like if you put Del Potro, Del Potro's forearms are going through any court, even the slowest play <laughs> court in the world. Yeah. So, if she's blasting away and, and if she sort of settles on a movement, then there's no reason why a game shouldn't hold up. And, and I guess on the on the women's side as well, We've we've had a few players who you would think there's no lot that they shouldn't be great clay court players like Sharapova, um, but they she still has two she has two French to her name or one yeah she's got two yeah, yeah two French yeah so it, it it's not the, the difference isn't so much I wouldn't say and you you raised an interesting point just there actually about the weather um, that I hadn't really been thinking about a lot but I mean playing this French Open in October, probably you'd expect, I know there is rain in May and some people are saying it's not going to be that different apart from the temperature might be 5 to 10 degrees cooler. How how does that affect? That's presumably not good news for Rafa, for example. Um, It depends because they're they're also are they they going to do the night sessions? I know they were going to do them in summer, but are they still going to do them um I know that they were planning on doing French Open night sessions, weren't they? They were, because they've been building that roof. To be perfectly yeah. honest, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'd imagine they are. But I, if, I don't they, if they I are, don't then sure. if they are, then the night it will be pretty cold at night um, or colder at night, and that will sort of play back into Nadal's hands because that'll slow everything down a lot more. Everything will be heavier. Um, so I think it depends when the matches come. Um, that kind of thing, but that that'll be an interesting one because that'll probably be the sort of Paris in October. Will outdoors will be the coldest? I would think that they've they've played a, a slam in those in conditions like that. It's interesting you say so. So just so I've got this straight in my head, so Rafa, you think prefers colder and wetter at the French Open? Not necessarily. He loves necessarily. like hot, doesn't he? He's so used to playing in the heat, but. I mean, drier bounce, I but. don't think it bothers him either way. But the thing is, when the, when it's when it's hotter, the ball flies through the air more. Um, when it's colder, then it slows the conditions down. It's sleep, it, the ball comes through the air slower. So, from his point of view, it's just harder to get the ball past him. Um, so, I, I don't. I think he actually prefers it when it when it's a when it's colder. Um, but him, him on a clay court in any situation is um, is a tough prospect for anybody. But I think purely from from how the ball goes, he doesn't mind it being cold. What what does Novak prefer in that situation? The same, though I say the same. Um, it, again, though those type of players, team team will probably prefer it hotter because he's going to go for more. 
Yeah. Um, Federer hundred percent wants it hotter. Um, he's not in it, I know, but um, it's it's the players who are there, who are basically going to make balls. They're going to prefer it colder because it, it's just tougher to get the ball through the air and through the court. And if it rains more, it's now there's a roof that doesn't really come into it so much because those guys are not going to be playing on any hard any um, out, outside courts anyway. But um, generally, a clay court, if it rains a lot, it makes the court slower. And the other player I was kind of keen to just lean on, similarly to Brady, in terms of having a, a pretty good tournament, um, was Medvedev. He lost to team in a very narrow semi-final, was up in sets two and three. Yeah. What, what are your general thoughts on where he is, where he's going, and is he going to be interesting at the French Open? He's had a few kind of up and down results on clay, but did seem to be getting yeah. quite good on it last year. He's kind of like I think he's one of those players who who he, he is what he is. I, I, I'm I'm not sure that there's, there's huge improvement in his game from here on in. You kind of know what exactly what you're going to get from him. And I mean, we had a discussion, didn't we, on the night when he played Team, and I, I actually thought he'd beat Team. But it's kind of like if those top guys play well against him, they're beating him. He kind of has his his bottom level is very good. His top level is nowhere near what the other guys is, um, and I think that 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 will continue to be the case. If they come and they don't bring their best, um, he's always going to be there, and he can clean up any anybody. I think, but I'm not sure there's much in terms of raising his game um, to be able to to take down the top ones at the slams. So, so if you're coaching Medvedev and you want to make those improvements that bring that top level up, where, where does that come from? Um, I guess his serve, I think, is a bit... He's got. He's obviously a big lad, um, but and his serve is decent, but it's not that accurate. He doesn't hit the spots all that much on it. Um, and he probably needs to get another 10%, 10-15% more winners off the ground um, than he does at the minute. So you'd sort of you'd say he probably has to throw a bit more, a bit more caution to the wind. But if he does that, he's going to lose what he's very, very good at. In that, you know, he won't miss balls in crucial times. It's interesting because in that team match, the one shot that seemed to fail for me for Medvedev in terms of in big moments in that match where he either had momentum or had the chance to get momentum, the shot he missed was the short forehand when he's kind of yeah mid court. He put a lot of those long and just, or wasn't making it. Um, yeah, he looks awkward on it. He doesn't, um, he, he doesn't move his feet around it all that great. And I think he doesn't en- particularly enjoy being there. Um, and it's not a natural sort of finish for him. Um, so, yeah, I think that's always one he struggles on. But he could maybe improve on that. They're, they're shots that you've got to make, to be fair. I know the ones that you're talking about. Um, you've got to make those balls in those moments, else you're not going to be, you're not going to be winning slams. He, he, I mean, he's quite an interesting one. I think I love watching him because, you know, he's not as flashy as say a, a Roger or a Rafa, but, but there's something very compelling about his game style. You know, the wicked slice four hands out wide. Yeah. Um, but but I've seen him play in so many different ways in so many different moments that you know I remember there's a match against Novak. Um, I can't remember was it Cincinnati or Toronto last year that he won. I think it was Cincinnati actually when yeah. he was kind of down and he suddenly served 
you know, 125 mile an hour second serves for an hour and kind of came through. Yeah. And then it, I think about him coming back against Nadal where he completely changed his game and started serving and yeah, bowling. He started coming so to the net a lot, didn't he? Yeah. He's got a really interesting kind of range that he does seem to have in his locker maybe a bit oh, he's, he's, he's me- Mentally, he's, pr- he's a great problem solver and he'll, he'll never sort of go down without a battle. But I think it's more in what, what he's got in his locker sort of technically uh, and what he can do that there's still questions about. Um, again, like like anybody with this slam just gone, the question would be if they're not, that's the one that they were going to have to win. That, that's the one that they would have won. Um, and he, he'll be kicking himself that he didn't, like all the other players who didn't. More or less slam wins than Zverev and team for Medvedev? Uh, less than team, for sure. Um, I think he might end up with more than Zverev. Um, but I'm not certain that... that I don't know, it's a weird one with Zverev because it, I don't... It, it's a, I think I said last week, he's such a weird player that it's almost like you underrate him. He's been legitimately top five in the world and he's been top ten in the world now for sort of three or four years. But he has these huge, huge holes in his game, doesn't he? So... Um, maybe similar amount, I'd say. I'm going to sit on the fence on that one. So two or three? Is that the sort yeah, of I think they're both kind of in the two or three range. But it wouldn't. I don't see. I don't see Medvedev winning more than two or three. There is a scenario where Zverev could win quite a few more. If that I makes mean, sense. Yeah, I mean it, it does make sense because I mean Zverev was. I, I, I know we've we've spoken a lot about Zverev today, and I'm I'm reluctant to dive into him too much again. But but he, but he is kind of such a confusing player because I, I remember him coming through, and I don't I don't remember these the, the hole actually I thought in Zverev's game was a shorter ball on the backhand and forehand. That that was the big gaping hole to me that he he was brilliant, solid off both sides. At the yeah, back. he seemed to serve pretty well at that stage. Not as quick as he actually did in like the ATP finals, but he, he, his serve wasn't this big an issue three years ago, or at least not. No, hundred percent. I watched. I, I saw him live at um, at the O2 that that year. I watched a couple of his matches live, and he, he was phenomenal that year. And the serve definitely wasn't it. His forehand was more of an issue back then that you yeah. thought it was inconsistent. It wasn't a bad shot. It was inconsistent. That's always been the situation, though, right from juniors. Yeah. Um, I, with... I, do think, I do think that, again, that shorter ball, even on the backhand side, he, he just didn't look that comfortable coming into the court. But that said, at the back of the court, he looked as steady as they came. And now that, that doesn't... There was a bit of that against him, I suppose. Yeah, well, he's a kind of... Match... He, you know, that's another anomaly with him, because he's a, he's a terrible volleyer. But... He volleyed great last night. Yeah. Um, Apart from one very big one on set yeah, point. <laughs> well, very much so, yeah. And I thought, you know, if team loses that when he when they were sort of saying it that I think he'd been to the net forty five times and won twenty nine of them. And I thought to myself, if team ends up losing this match and Zverev has won like, I don't know, seventy percent of his net points, he's gonna be kicking himself. That like if Zverev is one of the worst volleyers in the top one hundred and he, he's winning that many points at the net. But to be fair, he volleyed very, very well and had a great touch around the net. Um, but it's his forehand, it's his, it's his second serve and his forehand that's that's going to always... You kind of knew, didn't you, last night when he served for the match, he's he's not going to hold out to love here. There's going <laughs> to be a wobble. He's either going to get broke or he's going to he's gonna win a long juice game. 
he, he served fewer double faults than I was expecting, to be perfectly honest. In that yeah, point. they came at big moments, didn't they? <laughs> um, Courtney, we're coming towards the end now, but I mean, Courtney's just asked, do you think the players who made it far at the US Open are at a disadvantage for the French because of fatigue, because they're too close together? Do you see fatigue being an issue as well as the kind of mental reset? Um, not physically for those guys, I won't think. Um, they're, they're, they're in phenomenal condition. Um, they're not flying around on uh, basic sort of club class, are they? Um, they're, they're pretty much, they'll fly back in, in first class and they'll have all the best treatment. Physically, I don't think it's an issue for them. Um, I don't think mentally it will be. A lot of the guys, I think, are just, they're happy to be back competing. It's too weird. It, most of them will take a week off, I think, the ones who've got to the last stages. Um, and they'll be ready to play the French, I would think. So before we go, it's always good to have a prediction of what's coming I up. I think just, just jumping, I think James, before yeah, when he was still happy to be and he wanted to talk about oh, his yes, returning right. position, didn't he? You're right. You're absolutely right. I completely forgot about that. I've been going yeah. off the order of play I sent without <laughs> looking at James's further comment. So, so James was very keen to talk about something that, that has been, I suppose, spoken about a lot with Rafa in the past. Um, but we're going to look at it with team and talk about his deep return position. Do you think his deep return position is a positive, is a negative, is something he needs to change up? What, what's your general take on how um, advantageous it is for his game and what the kind of negative trade-offs are? Well, there's basically three players that do it, isn't there? There's well, of the at the top end, there's there's Team Nadal and Wawrinka all stand way back on on first and second serves. I think um, the benefit of it is it just gives you more time. And what they do is they back basically when you've got a second serve, you can think of it as, as like a, 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 when when your opponent has a second serve, you can think of it as as an opportunity for you to take advantage of it, but. What what they're sort of the, the rationale that they're thinking is that they don't need that opportunity. They fancy themselves to be able to beat that opponent from a baseline rally, so they don't need a short ball to take advantage of. Whereas your sort of players like Federer, uh, Murray will step in a lot. They're thinking, I'm going to take advantage of this short, basically what is a short ball, and get on the up on the on the um, on the rally. So. It's it's personal preference, really. I'm not opposed to standing back as a rule. What I couldn't understand last night was was team standing back when he's playing somebody with such a bad second serve. Mm. Uh, you know, 65 mile an hour second serve, and you're standing 12 foot behind the baseline. He's on Staten Island there. <laughs> that, um, and and he's you, you know that's when it becomes an issue because then you're taking the ball on the drop. When when you when they're standing so far back, so got, the guys have such good kick serves now that they're still taking it not on the rise, but they're taking it at peak sort of position. Whereas when it's coming in that slow, the ball's nearly bouncing twice when he's hitting it. I, I didn't see any. I, I couldn't see any real logic in returning second serves from that far back last night. If I'm honest, and you, and you mentioned Murray in that list of players who return. Just just thinking about Murray playing Zverev in. Yeah. Um, what was caught, you know, Cincinnati and in inverted commas uh, before the US Open. I mean, Murray really came after that second serve. He stood 
you know, how I stand when I'm against someone who's passing it over in club tennis, you know, inside, three foot inside the baseline, trying to get in his head. Yeah, well, that's when when you said then that um, that he didn't serve, Zverev didn't serve as many second serves. That would be a, a huge part of it because when you're when you're struggling with your second serve, you're thinking two things: one, I might miss it, and two, if I make it, they're just going to clean off a winner. So that's when it starts getting in your head. But last night, he only had to consider one of those things because team wasn't trying to hit winners off second serves. So that kind of helped him out, and he took a little bit of the pressure off his second serve overall. Um, and so again. It didn't kind of didn't make any sense. It is tougher, to be fair, for single handers to take the ball early, yeah, um, off off second serves on the ad court in particular. And I, I was just going to say on that point. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Team's game. I love watching him. I think he's becoming, even though that final wasn't great. I think he's become like a really complete player yeah. because of his movement, how he hits off both sides, and his game style's great. My one criticism of Team is that. Perhaps he doesn't think his way through a match as well as others do. And I think that that might, lack of adaptation on the return is somewhere, if I was his coach, I'd maybe, I know for him, it's probably best not to think too much because the way he plays is yeah. so successful. But just a little bit of a change on that second serve yesterday could have made that life a lot easier, potentially, if he'd have tried to get into he also, head. I think another element of it that where his real room for improvement is, is there's still, for me, too, too many points that he just he makes just daft errors that when I'm watching it last night I'm thinking there's not a chance that Federer, Nadal, Murray or Djokovic make an error at that point in the match and I'm talking about the sort of inconsequential points the kind of like 15 all third ball into the net type errors he still makes a lot of those that he's not even trying to go for a winner on or anything he just kind of is like a rally ball and he'll just net it it's not really the sort of big points, even even against sort of Djokovic and, and Nadal when he plays them. It's not you can't say he bottles it in the big occasions. It's more the sort of inconsequential points that he, he gives points away and gets himself in trouble. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I think you know we obviously don't want to come down too hard on the bloke here. He's just won his first Grand Slam. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I think that's seeing where he could still improve because, I, if, as I say, I, I think he's an amazing player now. Yeah, if if he cuts them out, we're talking about seven or eight slams that that he ends up because that's that's basically what that's basically what Nadal, Djokovic, and Murray have made a career on. You don't get anything out of them. That's the foundation. Sorry, it's not all they've made a career on. Yeah. But first of all, you know you're you're not getting in in a slam final. You're not getting forty five, fifty three points off them. Yeah. Right. We we are pretty much close to the end. But as ever, I'm going to take a quick prediction from you for Rome. ATP winner in Rome. Um, I think um, Djokovic will probably win it. Okay, I'll take Nadal then. So we've got at least yeah. we're pitting each other <laughs> against each other. I was happy yeah. with either, to be honest. But I'll go. I'll go Rafa, and the women's. Um, is Halep playing this week? She is playing, and yeah. she's who I'm going to pick. <laughs> I'll probably. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to pick Halep then because again, though, uh, she, she's very up and down, isn't she? So wouldn't surprise me if she loses first round. Well, I'll, I'll, I mean, she she won in Prague, didn't she? Not Prague. Was it Prague? I think it was Prague that she won the other week. Right. Um, so she she does have a bit of form coming into it. Right. I'll, I'll give an honourable mention to Kiki Bersons as well, who I think is a really a potential player who I think could yeah. win the French Open this year. She got she got done a bit last year uh, in that second yeah. round when she was ill. 
Um, but she's someone I really like on the clay. So I, I'll take Burton's then. So it's okay. more different on both of them. Um, and because I'm a good guy like that. So. <laughs> okay, fair point. Okay, cool. Well, right, nice one. Good to chat. So sorry not to have James again. We yeah, we'll try and sort we it will resolve this issue for next time. I'm certain yeah. of it. Um, and we'll get to the bottom of it. But thank you so much for listening. And yeah, we'll. I presume we'll speak after Rome. Is probably the next yeah. time we'll get together. Yeah. Um, and do a bit of a French Open look ahead. So thank you so much, Calvin. It's always really interesting hearing from you. You are tactically superb and i feel like i learn a lot as well so thanks for that always a pleasure bye everyone sports social podcast network with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.